The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Join 2014 Psychic of the Year Jennifer Schaefer as she hosts your Spirit Hour every second Tuesday of the month right here on Shea Parker's Best of the Best. Jennifer has been tested and validated as a member of Best American Psychics, Best American Healers and Certified Psychic Society. She is certified by International Master Psychic Lisa Williams as an Advanced Psychic at Lisa Williams International School of Spiritual Development and is mentored by Hans King and Alfred Ricci for mediumship at Agape International Spiritual Center. Jennifer is the founder of PsychicAngels.net where she gives back to the community by working with law enforcement as a psychic profiler and investigator. Her cases have been profiled on Dr. Phil and she was a reoccurring guest on the Ricky Lake Show. She can be reached at bestamericanpsychics.com and jennifershafer.com. That's Jennifer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R.com. Now, here is our host, Jennifer Schaefer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to 2015. I am very excited about this new year. I have had an amazing, amazing year with all of my guests. And this one for this year is a great kicker to start off 2015. And we will go into more detail with that um, a little bit later. But I want to introduce Kathy Bill from EmpowermentLimited.net. She is, she is my you know, I consider her kind of like a little co-host because she gives us a little update on why we're feeling a certain way at certain times with the astrological forecast. Kathy, take it away. There are a couple of themes I want to point out this month. The first is that we're in, uh, this is a major month of shape shifting. Uh, beginning of the month and the end of the month, especially people going through very sudden changes, very sudden realizations, very sudden bursts of self-knowledge that lead to something's got to give, something's got to be different. Uh, A lot of people departing physically, unfortunately, which is very sad, but relationships are cratering that have been built on uh, foundations that don't fit us anymore and people are bursting into new and unapologetic ways of being. So that's thing one. <laughs> oh <laughs> which boy. Is a lot, which is a lot, by the way. I that's a ton say. right there. It's the, it's, the cumulat- it's the next logical step from all of the stuff that happened last year. Yes. All right, because we're now moving and doing something with all of the things that shifted in our psyches and the structures of our lives last year. Is that real fast? Is that something that is that why a lot of people don't feel grounded? Well, instance, actually, they don't the, feel like they, it feels very, very translucent here. No, it's the second thing that's leading to that. Okay, that, sorry. That is, <laughs> no, but you, you're, you're right that it's going on. Um, we have um, a very uncomfortable 
pushing aspects happening between Saturn, which rules structures, which is in the sign that has to do with our beliefs. So we're in a long-term phase of looking at and taking responsibility for the beliefs that we have concluded about how this planet works and how we're supposed to treat each other. And it's in a an increasingly um, weird aspect with first Neptune in Pisces, which is the most formless, uh, most formless energy in the zodiac and now mars the planet of action has moved into pisces and very soon venus the planet that rules our hearts moves into pisces so we will be having all kinds of otherworldly influences getting Uh stronger and stronger and stronger and pushing us headbutting us right into uh whether what we believe is true or not wow so it's all the pisces stuff that's the ungroundedness actually Uh, And it's very strange. A lot of us are sort of straddling dimensions. Yes, very much so. (laughs) Increasingly. It's certainly where I live. I've been losing so much stuff, it's freaky. Um, But the big thing, and this is what's going to make the people who know a little bit about astrology run and scream, is that we have our first Mercury retrograde of the year starting next week right with the Aquarius new moon. Now, what's noticeable about the Aquarius new moon is two things. First off, it's going to give us a jolt of objectivity and detachment to Uh some of the weirdness going on and some of the quick change artistry happening in relationships and inside people. And um, it's also, um, it's tied to this Mercury retrograde, okay, Okay. Uh, no, me back I, up. I didn't. I did not see that one coming. I have to just say real fast. I did not see that one coming. Well, I Mercury is. is yeah, it's retrograde from the twenty-first of January until the eleventh of February. It's retrograde in an air sign. Mercury is comfortable in air. Mercury is the okay. planet that rules communication. And before people flip out, a Mercury retrograde is an optical illusion. It's when the relative speed of our orbital speed and Mercury's orbital speed changes and it appears that Mercury is moving backwards. It's an optical illusion. But what happens with it energetically is that our attention is drawn to areas ruled by Mercury, communication and transportation. Since he gets along with air, two Uh things are going to come from this. And one of them is the screw-ups are going to be a lot easier to occur because they can just do it. So That's know not that. good. <laughs> no, but it also means that we might be able to stand back and be somewhat detached from it and to be able to discuss things. With the, with the Mercury retrograde, it is always advisable to ask a lot of questions, do a lot of research, go back, organize, clear up old business, and investigate new situations. Since Aquarius is the sign of friendships, it's highly probable that a lot of people from the past will either cross your mind or actually show up again to give you the opportunity to go over some things, pick up some information that maybe you missed, or rethink some stuff, particularly with all these relationship shifts that are happening. Wow. We're moving Dana, into a new way of doing things. 
That's, you know what, it's a great way to analyze, because a lot of things that have happened where it was unfinished or, you know, separation started happening with a lot of friendships or uh, family, I do believe that this, this time around, it's mending. I mean, I've, I know, personally, of the laughter that's involved, um, of just making fun of it. Because it was so, you look back and it was just, a lot of things were very, very small considering what's happened in between. Does that make sense? It does. And this week, we do have the opportunity to have our minds blown open and to look at things with a new perspective. And with Venus and Mars and Neptune and Chiron, the wounded healer, all in Pisces, it's within our reach to have Mm -hmm. a compassionate and understanding reaction to everything that's going on. I love that. <laughs> yes. I love saying what you back up with planets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing I know about, but uh, I guess I do. Well, Kathy, how can everybody find you? I mean, okay, listeners out there, this she is so great at what she does, and she also does charts on children. I mean, you can find out how great would it be to have like an extra added like document saying what you're dealing with, you know? Do, uh, please, Kathy, where is the best place to find you? My website is empowermentunlimited.net. I'm on Facebook at Empowerment Unlimited, and I currently have guides, getting started in 2015 guides for each sign that discuss a really unusual phenomenon that's going on. We're going into this year with six new moons in a row at the very first degree of their signs, which is very catalyzing. One of them is next week, the one in Aquarius. Watch me soar. I'm an Aquarian. It's going to drop kick me. Bam! So, and all of these are things you can find. I'm on fire. Sorry. At (laughs) empowermentunlimited.net. And yes, you are, Kathy. Well, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) you always coming in and giving us a little insight. Um, I really appreciate you. Okay. Here, thank you. All right. Oh, and by the way, I want everyone else to know that um, Kathy Bill is. I have hand selected a few people to be part of the Psychic Investigations Academy, and Kathy, with her wizardry with the planets, has actually. Um, she has. She is a 2015 member of the academy. And I also want to thank you for that. There's only a few of us, and um, it's it, it's wonderful working with you. I so. am very honored to be working with you. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, Bye. Have a good evening, sweetheart. Okay. Now for this wonderful, wonderful person who I will go into, um, let me give you his background. First of all, his name is Richard Martini. He's an author and award-winning filmmaker. He has written and or directed nine indie films, a former freelance journalist for VarietyInc.com, Premiere, and other magazines, a graduate of the Master's of Professional Writing Program at USC. Yes, he's a Trojan. This is his, he's, one of his uh, non-fictional books, the one that I actually got introduced to somehow, some way, uh, made it through the vortex of my phone and I listened to it and just, I had to get to know him. I had to know him. I had to meet him. I had to get into that head of his to figure out what is it that he knows that I don't. (laughs) And boy, did I get a lot more than I bargained for. 
Um, he, <laughs> I, uh, it's been like a crash course in the beyond, and I, I, I take pride in myself for knowing. But um, he's kind of. I feel like I'm getting. You know how I've. You know, you feel like you get punked by the universe. I get punked every single time I meet with him because I'll listen to. He'll act very, you know, nonchalant about information, like. You know, yeah, my, for instance, my wife sees things. And then I'll listen to part of his book that says, oh, yeah, that says exactly that and goes into detail about it. And I'm just like, oh, doy, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, all of it's funny. Richard, thank you for joining me. Thank you for kicking off the year 2015 on your spirit hour. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so, I'm just giddy. And I wish we had five hours to talk because we could fill them, we could fill it all up. For sure. No, it's true. Every time I've talked to you, I feel like, okay, did we just get started? You know, we're just getting <laughs> into the ballpark. I'm glad to be the kicker, the, you know, the guy who kicks off your year. So why not? You know, a football field, you always <laughs> want to have somebody come out there and kick the ball as far as they can. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? Or it's... kick the can. You know, can remember that game, kick the can? You know, no one's played that in a million years. Yeah, but I that read was about it. <laughs> yeah, you read about it in my book. No, but it was it was one of those games that we used to play as kids, and it, it's very outside of time in some ways because nobody really knows what you know the the words mean. Uh, Ali, Ali, oxen free, you know, stuff like that. It comes from something in our sort of possibly in our spiritual memory, um, mm -hmm. possibly in our DNA. But it's one of those games where kids would gather together and go outside and play this game, which, wow. you know, from what I understand, it's centuries old, but, um, and I, and it's what we're doing now, aren't we? We kind of yeah. get together and we're talking about stuff that people have been talking about since the dawn of time. What happens when we die or why are we on the planet? And, right. uh, it is a version of kick the can. <laughs> why, <laughs> you could argue that it's, I mean, you know, I'm stretching this metaphor, but why not? We're here. I'm well, kicking you, you off. You know what I'm stretching? Because normally I would say, this, you know, people have a tendency to say this, the sky's the limit, right? Well, right. There, is no, there is no limit. There is no limit with how far that can go. Um, true. I mean, true. even with the universe, the universe isn't the limit. I mean, it truly is dimensionless and limitless. And it's, it, it's fascinating all in between. Um, I do want to say, okay, so part of, okay, listeners... If you don't know me personally, um, the ones that do know what a geek I am. And I got to explain something real fast because I want, I want people to know that, that you can, you know, authors are attainable in as far as getting to know them, getting to talk to them. And I actually, after I read this, listened to this book, it was doing dishes, okay, Thanksgiving. I don't necessarily know how to cook. It's just a fact. It's not even, I'm not even, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Okay. I'm sure people have heard that many times. My husband cooks. On Thanksgiving, I did three, three hours and 52 minutes of dishes because I know that because I always pick out a book or, or it picks me, whatever works, to listen to while I do dishes. And I'm telling you, it was by far the best Thanksgiving I have ever had because of that book, <laughs> and which happens to be It's a Wonderful Afterlife Volume 1 because I didn't know Volume 2. Volume 2 is your latest one that was out. Just right. came available, but it was volume one. I, I was did I uh, maybe I knew, but I'm like I'm gonna get to know him. He's gonna be my. I'm gonna interview him. I can't wait to meet him. I heard that he lives. You know, he's mentioning Santa Monica. It's right down the street from me. I am gonna right. get to know. Him. I was I 
decided to look him up, of course, and I friended him on Facebook. Yes, this is a Facebook success story. But I private, you know, he accepted my request, you know, during a time when I was with like 30 different women at my girlfriend Tracy's house for a girls exchange party, a uh, Christmas exchange. And I'm telling you, I took a photo shot of that of him saying he accepted my request and I showed everybody and I'm like, oh, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> Rich Martini accepted my friend request. And then the dork that I am, I messaged him and said, listen, I'm interested in your work. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to stalk you or anything. I'm just letting you know, how can I be of service? If there's anything that you need or anything that you want to explore as far as the afterlife, I'm there. I'm already there. Yeah, that's great. And, I know. And it was, and it was amazing because Obviously, instantly, as soon as we met each other, it was like a conversation that had picked up from, you know, obviously some centuries before. So <laughs> it's, it's like we're continuing the conversation. But, I mean, for your listeners who are unaware of what the books are about, just to, in a nutshell, Flipside was yes. the first one. And it yes. was basically, uh, in a nutshell, I'll, I'll say that, um, <laughs> a friend of mine passed away back in the 1990s, and she, a very close friend, and she started visiting me. And at the time, I didn't really have any, um, you know, way to sort of comprehend what was going on. But I did have the idea that, well, if she really is visiting me, these visions or dreams or whatever it is, is it possible that perhaps I could find and visit her? And that was really the genesis of the book. And um, I started studying uh, Tibetan philosophy because she had been a Buddhist. And I thought, well, maybe that's a path. You know, maybe that's how you can gained access to this information. Anyway, and ultimately, I, I started on this journey where I eventually came to the work of Michael Newton, who's a uh, psychologist yes. in Los Angeles in the 50s and 60s. And uh, he, had, he had done these sessions under deep hypnosis with people. He was a skeptic about past life regression. But during one of his sessions, somebody spontaneously went into a previous lifetime. And Newton, being the skeptic, sort of grilled him as to the details, you know, where are we? And the guy said, it's World War I, and I'm being stabbed. And, but Newton really didn't believe him. So he asked him questions like, what's your mother's maiden name? What's your serial rank? And et cetera, et cetera. And then unbeknownst to the guy, he contacted the British War Office, and it turned out this guy had died in 1916. So that started his, his practice in that area, and he started seeing people. And by the way, the guy had a psychosomatic illness. He'd come in with a, a like a, a problem with his shoulder. He couldn't figure out why his shoulder was hurting. And it was right. under hypnosis that, you know, he said, take me to the source of your pain. So somewhere in the late 60s, he had a client come in, this woman who uh, said she was very lonely, very depressed, and kind of suicidal. And at the point he, uh, where he asked her, take me to the source of your pain, if there's a group around. Because he wanted to see, you know, did she have perhaps a previous lifetime with a lot of friends? And she said, oh, I see. Um, we decided, I'm, I'm sitting with my soul group, and we decided not to incarnate together in this lifetime. And Newton was like, what? What are you talking about? Where are we? Is this the past? Is this the future? And she said, no, it's right now. So when she left, he said he sat down and thought, you know, I was a skeptic, and now she's she was describing this life between lives where we go after we die and hang out with our soul group and our soulmates before we come back. 
And so basically he closed his public practice. And for the next 30 years, he only saw people who could take him to this realm and had them describe it in great detail. Now, there were no books about it, so they couldn't have read about it prior to right. it. And, and I interviewed his wife. Um, actually, he granted me his last interview. And uh, he's alive and well. He just doesn't do media anymore. But I interviewed his wife as well. And I said, so what did you think when your husband came home with these tales of the between lives? And she said, I thought they were going to take away to an insane asylum. She <laughs> said, until I heard the tapes. And then when I heard the tapes, I realized so many people from so many different walks of life saying the same things about the afterlife. How could that be? And so in that moment, I realized, well, you know what? I need to make tapes. And so I realized, uh, you know, because film now, you, I'm, I've directed a number of independent films, as you mentioned, which nobody's right. heard of, but <laughs> that's okay. I guarantee they're all kind of, they're all fun. I don't have to hide from them. But, um, but I realized cameras, you know, can film up to six and eight hours. And these sessions typically took between five and six hours. So right. I thought, well, maybe I could film some of them. And I asked uh, the Newton Institute if I could film their training videos. And we started there. And the past five years, I've filmed about 25 different sessions. And I've, chose, I've chosen the people, um, by and large, to film. They're usually skeptics or people who don't believe in an afterlife or, or whom I've known my whole life. And I chose them because then I can sort of verify what they're saying, you know, when they start right. talking about growing up, you know, such and such. Anyway, and as a result, out of these 25 sessions, I can tell you that all 25, no matter what their background or religion or you know, sex or gender or whatever, they all say pretty much the same things about the afterlife. And that started the book Flipside, a tourist guide on how to navigate the afterlife, which are transcripts of these film sessions, which right. also led to the the film, it's a 90-minute film that Guy TV picked up, and it's on Amazon. And then when I was doing book talks about that book, I came across scientists, and I interviewed some scientists, especially yes, Dr. Gr yeah, Dr. Grayson, who is uh, right. he's the sort of father of near-death research. And he said to me, confidentially, Rich, we don't consider hypnosis a valid scientific tool. And I said, well, of course, it's not the way you guys have done it. When, you know, hour-long sessions where a patient comes in to see a doctor because they're ill. The, the way that Newton would do these five- and six-hour sessions, he asked neutral questions. And besides that, people from all over the world are saying the same things about the afterlife, whether it was Newton doing the session or someone that he had trained. So just that alone uh, right. indicates something's going on. And so... The second book, the one you were mentioning, It's a Wonderful Afterlife, Further Adventures yes. in the Flipside. Those, both of those, volume one and two, and I'm, I apologize for two volumes, it's just there was so much great research. Right. I couldn't, I didn't want to cut things down. I, you know, ended up, it's like 700 pages together. But they're interviews with people who've had near-death experiences, which is a scientific, something you can study through science and has been. And Dr. Grayson is one of those people who's done it. Right. And I'm comparing near-death experiences to the between-life sessions that the Newton people have, and they're remarkably similar. You know what? I do have a question. Well, actually, I would like you to convey how you came up with the title, It's a Wonderful Afterlife. Well, that's, a, that's kind of a goofy story. I was uh, – Gary Schwartz is a 
a, a professor. <laughs> I'm like, I thought that was a great. I thought that was a great question. Come on. <laughs> it is no, 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 and it's a you know, it's a perfect segue, which is, which is uh, Dr. Schwartz, who went to Harvard and Yale, and right. he's in the you know the world of science and the material science, as they call it. But when he was a young man, he had an experience where uh, a car accident was about to occur, and a voice said loud enough for him to hear it, put on your seatbelt. And he did. And as a result, his, and he told his wife to as well. And as a result of the accident that happened a few seconds later, they were both saved. And so as a scientist, he started to examine it. Well, who, whose voice is that? Where did that come from? And so right. he's, he's been doing that kind of research for quite some time. And I, um, when I met him, we became friends and, and I interviewed him for the book. But ultimately, one day we were sitting in my agent's office, and Gary said to the agent, how would you feel if, if what Rich is saying were true, that there actually is an afterlife, and that we don't die? And the agent said, I would feel just like Jimmy Stewart, and it's a wonderful life. I would see the world new again. I would see that the reason I'm here is completely for these kinds of connections with my loved ones. And at that moment, I went, wow, that sounds like a great title for a book. And they looked at me like, what? And I said, it's a wonderful afterlife. And then as it turned out, when I was doing this research, and, and, and I had remembered that years ago when I directed my first film, somebody had said to me, take a look at Frank Capra's book, Name Above the Title. And it's a wonderful book for directors because Frank says stuff like, uh, every day you make 100 decisions, you answer 100 questions, and you're going to get 50% wrong. So you just hope that the 50% you get right are the ones that count. Hmm. So little little details like that helped me in my first film, which was You Can't Hurry Love. Anyway, (laughs) but in in his book, he describes this kind of near-death experience that happened to him. He, He got very successful very young. Uh, it happened one night, won a bunch of Oscars, and, and he was considered the top of his field. But at some point, he didn't want to work anymore. And he did that thing that sometimes very successful people do is they just say, you know, I don't know what I want to do, and I'm not really feeling up to this meeting. And he literally talked himself into an illness, a psychosomatic illness, but it was the it was like he was dying. And the doctors came to see him, and they said, you're dying, and we don't know what's killing you. And so he was in bed, and his assistant called upstairs and said, there's someone here to see you. And so he went into the sitting room, and he said there was this sort of short, faceless man, bald, uh, wearing glasses, who, <laughs> who, and he called out of bed to see this guy who wouldn't go away. And the little man said, you're a coward, Frank Capra. You're the reason you're on this planet to make people laugh. How dare you hide in bed? You know, Capra had no idea how this guy knew who he was. He had never seen him before, never, never heard of him. And, and then he says in the book, and I didn't want to know who he was. But basically, right. once I left his house, he got together with his writing partner, and they went out and made It's a Wonderful Life. So it was like his response, and I was just watching the film the other day, and I'm sure you've seen it a million times, like we all have, but there's this one little section, you know, the part where, where he sees the world as it would have been without his presence. It's only 20 minutes long. It's very powerful. But there's a moment when Clarence says, I've been watching you your whole life. You have no idea what you've done and how you've affected other human beings. 
And that is such a true thing that people need to hear on a daily basis because they can't see all the people they've affected. You're right. a perfect example. You can't know all the people that you and your ability to speak or hear or, or translate what people are saying in the afterlife. You can't possibly know how that affects people out on the planet, but it does. And you have to honor that. You have I, to allow it to be something. I do. I try, just like you. Um, I think it's, I really do feel it's fascinating that he had an NDE and it changed everything and created that movie. It's a Wonderful Life that so many people are watching. They watch it every single year. Didn't you, wasn't it like the most watched movie? Well, it, you know, it's had a very odd, it's had an unusual journey because it failed in the movie theaters. Nobody went what? to see it. it right. Yeah, it was a failure, absolute failure. And, and it's such a failure that they didn't even bother to renew the copyright. Of course, when you look at things from an afterlife perspective, this was meant to be. Because right. they didn't renew the copyright, then all the networks decided to run the movie at Christmas time because it was free. They didn't have to pay a licensing fee. And it took, it took about, I remember this started up like in the 19, maybe the late 80s, late 90s. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, it used to be on every channel for about, yes. I don't know, well, you're, you're so young. But that, Charles, every that, channel. that and Charlie Brown's Christmas. But yeah. Right. But, <laughs> but then somebody cleverly copyrighted the music that's in the score. And so that's why it's now only on one channel a year because that's all they can afford to do. But that's why the movie became so, so I remember seeing it in the, you know, the bin at the blockbuster, you know, back in the day it went for, you know, five bucks. And, and, wow. uh, and now of course it's a, you know, revered, everybody's seen it. And, and now every time you watch it, you see something new and you learn something new. I watched it the other day and I realized Martini <laughs> you know, the character Martini has really the last line, you know, it, it, the last reference. Jimmy Stewart says, come on, let's cut a martinis and have some wine. And I, and I just in that moment, I thought, wow, that's so funny. Of course, my name is connected to that movie. Right. I mean, Martini is a very common name in Italy. It actually means Smith. So, you know, it's not like a big deal in Italy. But, you know, of course, over here, it is kind of a funny name. And, you know, well, refers like a party. Well, Smith is, you know, we all know Joseph Smith. You know, the whole, if you're familiar with the Mormon, so it might mean a lot more than you know. Yeah, that's, that's right. Okay. Or as I'm fond of saying, I am a smith of words, you know, blacksmith <laughs> of words and images and stories. Yes. I'm still the thing, you know. Hey, so what did you do? What? Why did you write it? Why did you write, you know, uh, why did you want to do the, why did you want to do, write the, you know, the flip side, the movie, and do the movie? Yeah. What well, you know, when you hear something that's, that you can't quite get your mind around, mm -hmm. as I did when I first picked up Michael No. Well, here's, here's the thing. When, when um, the original thing was that when Luana was dying, this is my friend right. who was before she passed away, when she was dying, she said to me one day, I have this recurring dream that I'm in a classroom and I... I completely understand what the teacher is saying, but there's the teacher speaking in a language I've never heard before, but somehow I completely understand. And yeah. I thought at the time, wow, that's like the morphine talking, you know, it's like right. a dream. 
But then I mentioned it to one of the nurses and the nurse said, Oh my God, that's, that was her recurring dream. She had it all the time. And then the day she died, a close friend of her, Sandra Stevenson, who's uh, a medium who works in Hawaii, mm-hmm. called me and said, God, I had the most amazing dream about Luana last night. She was in a classroom and everyone was dressed in white. Aww. And, uh, the classroom yes. and spirituality. And at the time I was scratching my head saying a classroom, wait a minute, there's classrooms in the afterlife. And then I thought, well, I'm never going to get in her class. She must be really <laughs> advanced, you know, where I'm at spiritually. How am I ever going to get there? Now cut to how many years later I'm picking up right. Michael Newton's book, journey of souls. And the first chapter, it says this guy's in a between life memory saying, I'm sitting in a classroom and everyone's dressed in white. And that's when the moment, like a lightning bolt said, oh, my God, this is the path you're looking for. This is what you need to examine. And so that has been part of my journey, which is what are these classrooms about? And I I talk about it in the movie, Flipside, more so than the book, I think, um, just because I include my own session in the film. And and in my session, my between-life session, where I – Believe me, I went into this as a skeptic, and I thought, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them hypnotize me, but I can't be hypnotized. That's what I thought. I was under the mistaken <laughs> impression that you're under when, you're hip, un, when you do hypnosis. You're never under anything. You're really fully conscious. It's just you're relaxed enough to allow your subconscious to speak, right. and you try to judge it. And uh-huh. so I was there. I was fully prepared to say, I don't see anything. I'm sorry. I don't see a thing. And sure enough, I went to the same, same places that everybody goes to. And at some point, I was standing in a classroom, and I saw my friend Luana sitting in the back of the class. And she uh-huh. says to me, in this vision, and I, all I can say is it feels as real as the conversation we're having right now. Seeing her in there, you know, in this other realm. And she's looking at me like, what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> like, Why did you just walk into my classroom? And I'm like, and she even says to me, I'm like, what do you want a talk show? Cause I'm talking out loud. You know, I'm talking to the hypnotherapist, right? Right. Anyway, so it was just a very odd construct. And then since then I've done three other sessions, uh, three other between and each one, I had the distinct impression that I was, uh, in her presence and able to talk to her and, and, and converse with her. And by the way, we mentioned this the other day. This is just a, a something that came to me when I was doing this research. A f- close friend of mine, Howard Schultz, passed away. Well, I was just, just I'm, you know I'm looking at his picture right now. Oh, I I'm, looking that. I'm looking at his picture. I'm looking at your blog spot. And I'm like, you know, you said it's a, been a busy week in the flip side. A number of your pals have stepped off stage, which is a beautiful way yeah. of saying it. From the reality TV producer, Howard Schultz, you know, right. um, to the great now, Howard, star. Howard's a little, he's a little infamous because his shows had a lot to do with sort of salacious dating. You know, I think uh, Bedroom Buddies was one of his shows and Naked Dating was one of his shows. <laughs> which all I can tell you... Yeah, but but I can tell you that he was a he was a he was a deeply spiritual guy, right. and he he really felt that the idea of connecting people on any level, you know, to find people how they find each other, he was fascinated by it. And and um, but but I wanted to say that that he and I were talking about, um, and he had done a between life session, and he was saying how his mother came clearly through to him and said. 
talking to the afterlife, and I'm sure, you know, this is a little bit of your experience, but she said talking to the afterlife is like picking up a cell phone and talking, to, you know, dialing the numbers, and you don't know how the cell phone works, but somehow it gets through to the, your loved one, and you can hear them, and they converse with you. And, right. and, and she said, you know, we always hear the, the messages or the thoughts that you ask us. We can't always get back to you right away, and maybe we don't even have the capacity to get back to you right away, but we, if we can, we will. Right. <laughs> you know, meaning it's like leaving a, you know, a message in the afterlife right on a phone machine. <laughs> but, right. but the idea that I was talking with you about, and I, I think it's kind of helpful for people, which is yeah, yeah. the idea of what is it when you're talking to somebody, I mean, how do you know someone's alive when you're talking to them on a cell phone, right? How do you know I'm alive? <laughs> you don't. And, you just trust and, it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and not a robot, let's say, you know, coming up right. with clever answers like, you know, those annoying, you know, airport robots. But the only reason you know I'm alive is because I'm giving you new information, stuff that's not already in your head. It couldn't be in your head, let's say. And so that, therefore, the construct of me being alive is in, you know, inherent in that conversation. So here's the thing. If somebody hears someone in the afterlife, right, giving them new information, like even Alexander's book, uh, Proof of Heaven, when right. he had near-death experience, he met his sister who he was not aware was alive. And it wasn't until sometime after that he found out that the person who guided him in the afterlife was his sister. He recognized her. Same thing with uh, Heaven is for Real, but uh, the young kid Colton Burpo, he sees his sister who had, who uh, they had lost a baby in childbirth, but they, he didn't know that. How could he possibly know that? And it's new information. So when you hear new information from somebody who's not on the planet, then therefore they must still be alive. 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 alive, alive, alive. I mean, I st and, and more to that, I have never heard from the other side that they're dead. And it is really messed with me when it's when there's a missing person case, <laughs> and they have yeah. traversed this dimension. I'm like, are you are you dead? And they say no. And we'll and I'll have to go back through the information. And I'll talk because I know that they're still they're in the other dimension. I just wanted to know because that's what we categorize it from here that that right. person is deceased. Well, to this day, even with somebody in front of me that has told me my grandfather was buried, I watched him get buried. You know that kind of thing. That right. grandfather talking to me, I'm like, I'll even, you know, I always, I always pose questions that are, you know, that to see if they, if the afterlife is tricking me, which they never do. And it, they actually, I'm sure they laugh at me a lot, but I'm like, are you dead yet? Are you dead? You know, knowing clear well that they're deceased from this point, this plane of existence and without fail, they're like, no, no, no. And then I ask, have you traversed? Are you gone from this dimension that I'm presently in? And I have to be very careful with my wording because they could say no to that too. Okay. Right. So what about the dimension that your whole family is in right now? Right. Physical plane, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, it's, uh, you know, and then that's when I'm like, well, yeah, duh, dummy, of course. <laughs> well, it's like that old saying, you know, if you go to church and pray to someone, that's normal, but if that someone you're praying to responds, then you're crazy. You're crazy. 
<laughs> I was just about ready to say this is the T Lustra world right here, but I decided not to. Um. <laughs> well, you know, you're right. The nomenclature or the words that we use to describe what we're talking about. And Gary Schwartz makes this point in the book. I thought it was very clever. He said, you know, 100 years ago, there were five people who watched the Wright brothers fly their plane. Mm-hmm. None of them could have possibly imagined that 100 years later, so what is it, 70 million people fly every second yes. of the day? You know, right. it's just so common and normal. And here we are talking about things that seem abnormal, that seem uncommon, that seem otherworldly. And right. it may be that 100 years from now, you know, this will be, will we'll sound like real antique, you know. <laughs> there won't be right? a dot com, there'll be a dot earth. Yeah, dot earth. Well, you know, or, or people will be able to pull this conversation up and go, look how these people used to talk about this stuff. You know, it's like, God, boy, were they in the dark ages. You know, it, I believe that it's just like a different country that you have to learn a language and understand it. And there might be several uh, countries. There's several countries with different languages. I believe that everyone will be able to converse with the other side. They can right now, but they don't know that they can. Right. Well, there's, so, one other thought, there's one other thought to that, which is, or just to add to that, which is, I, I think what comes out of the research anyway, from my end, is that mm-hmm. it's in terms of near-death experiences, everybody has, every single person who has a near-death experience has a different experience than somebody else, of course. Absolutely. That's correct. But, you know, you can say there's hallmarks that are the same, seeing some kind of a spirit guide, seeing feelings of unconditional love. That's a common thing that I hear basically in every near-death experience. Profound Profound feelings of unconditional love and this feeling of oneness. Oh, you hear that quite a bit. Also in between life sessions. And this, I, I really, wonder, I people don't know uh, what LBLs are. Can you explain? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that uh, LBL is a between life hypnotherapy session, and 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 Michael Newton has trained uh, probably a thousand people so far. There's 200 people I think that are currently in the Newton Institute. And if you want to do one, do one of these sessions. I First, I highly recommend getting recommendations from other people. But if you go to their website, um, I think it's michaelnewton.com or the newtoninstitute.com, they do have a searchable list. So you can find someone near you who's been trained. That doesn't mean they're going to be the right person for you. So you you really have to call them and talk to them and, and do that sort of thing. But that's a way to access this information that's in your subconscious and for me, it's like taking, you know, they used to call it an e-ticket in Disneyland. You know, you don't have to take it that seriously. Like, oh, I'm going to find out the mysteries of the universe. But right. I am going to get on a roller coaster and ride around, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to learn some stuff. And it, and it kind of, there's something else that happened to me. I was on Mount Kailash in western Tibet. And for odd reasons, I was filming a documentary there with Robert Thurman. Right, uh, from right. That and and we ran into this uh, hermit, or, you know, a sadhu, as they call him, a Hindu, a holy man who was living in a cave on the edge of Lake Mansarovar, this sacred lake. And this guy told me he walked there from Delhi every year, barefoot, mm-hmm. and then lived in his cave, and then, then he would walk back to Delhi, <laughs> barefoot. They'd check his email. I kid you not. But he said to me, you know, you Westerners come here and... You're, you're cold and it's shivering and the weather's difficult and the food's weird and all that stuff. 
and you you walk around the sacred mountain and, and nothing happens but it eventually happens it gets into your bones and the mountain changes you i think that same thing happens when someone meets you for example and you open up this door for them they may not understand it at the very moment that it happens but the door is open and suddenly their view of the planet starts, it's like taking the red pill. You know, once you take the red pill, you know, from Matrix film, the world starts to alter and change. And it's very subtle, and it doesn't have to be dramatic. Um, you know one what? Thing it, also, go ahead. Uh, what I have, like, for instance, I told someone today, I said, listen, I, it's always been there. That world so has always been there. Your connection has always been there. I'm just opening it up for you to see from this dimension. I'm tagging you to that. It has never been away from you. I'm not adding to you. I'm just removing the filter. That's great. And 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 like it's not my you know I'm not I'm not creating something that wasn't there. It's always been there. Always. You're you're almost like somebody who can see through walls where somebody else couldn't. And you can. I I, kind of can. No, I think so. Well, it's interesting. I was going to say that I've I've spoken at a number of uh, the Institute of Near-Death Studies, the International Association, and there's groups all over the country. People have had a near-death experience. And in almost every case that I've gone to these groups, people get up and sort of share their stories. and, And it's very difficult for them because we don't have this language to talk about these events. So when they have this apotheosis, this thing of feeling unconditional love with everyone, when they come back from the experience, it feels like they've gone back into the mud because, of course, no one's walking around with unconditional love. They honk their horn, they yell at you or whatever. You know, it's, it's a difficult world we're in. So it's very stressful for them because mm-hmm. they can't process the information, you see? And so I, I think this kind of research helps people to process it, to see, well, I'm not the only one who's experiencing what Jennifer has just shown me, or I'm not, you know, I'm not the only person who I, I read even Alexander's book and I see that he had it. Well, I had something similar. Right. So he's that, just opening the door is, I don't know, it's so important to see that our journey on the planet isn't just the mundane mud that it feels like, um, and, it, and it's important to remember that between lives, we're fully compassionate. We, there's a reason for us to be here. Uh, you said something the other day I thought that was really powerful. It, you know, think about all the work it took to get here, and your friends on the other side are rooting for you every day. They want you to succeed. They, right, want they, don't, you to be happy. they don't want you up there with them. That means they're out of a job. That's <laughs> they funny. Want, yeah, the mission mission impossible is correct. Like it like we are supposed to we have a whole team that's counting on us to gather so much information through feelings and knowings and epiphanies and coincidences and to put it all together in a mixed up chaotic package that makes us who we are, but we take it with us, you know? Right. We take that with us and that being with us is right now to our higher self that's having a party of its own. And so they don't want, they need us here. 
They, we, they are protecting us every single day. They are giving us the best playing field there is, po- there is possible for our growth. And it comes in ugly packages a lot. <laughs> but right. we can look back eventually and go, wow, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like you doing the coin flip, right? You doing yeah. that coin flip. And well, I, even, even that idea of the stones in your path when you are able to traverse them and go around them or through them or above them or however you get past that stone that's in your path. When you turn around, you see it's gold. You've turned it to gold because it's the thing that got you from here to there. And it's really hard to put our minds around it with so much violence in the world. Um, You know, you and I can sit down and talk about how wonderful the afterlife is. (laughs) But at the same time, people go, wait a second, what am I doing here then? You know, right. it's so difficult here. There's so much stress. There's so much. and But the idea of being able to look beyond the thing, that stone that's in your path and looking beyond how what, what somebody else's journey is. You know, there's this movie, right. American Sniper, that's out. And right. uh, it's interesting because, of course, you know, the journey of his life was he was very gung-ho. And he was very patriotic. And then, of course, as you know, he, he got killed while he was trying to help others with PTSD. I've met a, a sniper um, who lives in New York. His name is David Park. He's, he's now uh, a Newton trained hypnotherapist. Right. So his right. path and journey was completely different, you uh-huh. know, and he, he found a way to sort of put down the rifle and then, and see that he could connect to people and help people. So Richard? everybody's path is different. Go ahead. Richard, we have a minute left. I know. I I just, I know. I know. I know. Let me tell you real quick. It's a wonderfulafterlife.com. A wonderfulafterlife.com. Richmartini.com. You must must be psychic. (laughs) The flipside the book.com and flipside the film.com. It's everywhere. Just look me up. I'm spelled just like the drink. I'm often stirred, but I'm rarely shaken. But it's (laughs) all That is wonderful. I am so thrilled that you were here to start off my year and will continuously be around me, which I'm grateful That's for. Right. We, got, we got a lot of work to do, don't we? We have so much work to do, and it's so exciting. And I well, recommend his, all of his books on on everything. I recommend his movie. I recommend him. I I am... <laughs> I mean, your wife, Sherry, is a godsend. She is so wonderful. Your daughter is absolutely beautiful. Um, I appreciate you and your family and your son. I hope he feels a little bit better. Um, I want to say thank you to all my listeners. And I am very, very excited to, you know, explore more of the afterlife and more of what's possible in 2015 and then some. So on that note, I want to say goodbye. Richard, it was a pleasure, as always. Thank you. It was, as always. I'll talk to you soon. Good night, everyone. Thank you for spending the past hour with psychic medium Jennifer Schaefer, your translator of spirit, Join Jennifer the second Tuesday of every month right here on Shea Parker's Best of the Best as Jennifer brings you your spirit hour. Find Jennifer at jennifershafer.com. 
That's Jennifer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R.com. And also at bestamericanpsychics.com, where Jennifer earned the prestigious 2014 Psychic of the Year Award. Jennifer thanks all her listeners and encourages you to remember love. <laughs>